Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Love Tennis Podcast, or Podlet as I should call it. Uh, with me, James Gray of iNews and iNewspaper. It is just before one o'clock in the morning here in London, which is why I am on my own for this one once again. I couldn't convince Calvin, who has an 11am first round match with Henry Patton and Julian Cashmore on them shortly, uh, or George Belgeau, who has uh, work at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. I mean, so do I, but this is all my job uh, to join me. So you'll just be hearing from me. Uh, excitingly, in a few minutes, you'll be able to hear from Henry Patton and Julian Cash, uh, one of Britain's best doubles pairs. Not an not an hyperbole from me. That is just true. They've been in great form, as you will hear. Uh, they spoke to me a little bit earlier today, ahead of their first round match at Wimbledon. Both of their first time playing Wimbledon seniors. Julian played juniors before, but for Henry, uh, is his first shot at Wimbledon. Full stop. Uh, it was really nice to talk to them. We've got to know them a bit over the summer. Calvin obviously knows them both very well. And I hope that you'll enjoy the chat. I should apologise in advance for that interview in terms of the sound quality. We had some pretty serious technical issues uh, this morning at Wimbledon. So we had to improvise. I thought about canning it all together uh, when I listened back to it. But the guys are in such good form and I think have such good stories and are interesting to talk to and about that I hope you'll appreciate it's worth listening to anyway. But before any of that, uh, there's lots of news from Wimbledon to catch up on. Uh, We've just finished day two of the championships, which was closed by Serena Williams. Is it her last match ever at Wimbledon? It might well be. She was beaten by Harmony Tan of France, 7-5, 1-6, 7-6, and then a deciding tie-break, which Tan won 10-7. It was a real ding-dong match. I think with the greatest of respect to Harmony Tan, there are quite a lot of players in the world who would have put away Serena fairly easily tonight. And I, I, as I say, that's not a slight against Harmony Tan. She's clearly got some talent. You know, she plays a lot of nice slice backhands, a lot of nice slice forehands as well. Um, you know, she's been up to 90 in the world, I think, not that long ago. She's only just outside the top 100 at the moment. So 
she clearly can play, but Serena did not play well uh, with the greatest respect to her. I think she would probably concede that as well. She was fairly evasive afterwards, but I don't think she would agree that that was her best self. It was her first competitive match of the year, and surely no one would have expected her to produce her best play in that match. Um, It was thrilling. Uh, it, It may not have been high level, but it was dramatic, and it was late night, and they finished, you know, at sort of, I think, 20 to 11 local time here in London, which maybe half 10 which is pretty late. Uh, they can only play until 11 because of the curfew, so um, almost as late as they can go, really. Serena came in afterwards and, and said very little, quite frankly. I was surprised she did press at all. I, I thought she might avoid it, given this whole kind of swing. She's been pretty unenthusiastic about speaking to the media in any shape or form, or really playing by many tournaments' rules. Um, and yet she came in, but she was pretty tight-lipped. The question that really everyone tried to ask her in a, a number of different ways is, is that your last match at Wimbledon? She, maybe the clearest she put it is, that's a question I can't answer. I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Who knows? Who knows where I'll pop up? Um, which, you know, is, is suitably evasive, but maybe does sum up how she feels at the moment that she can't know. Um I think she will play the US Open. She might have a warm-up tournament before that, although I think that's unlikely. And then, yeah, I I think it's probably 50-50 she plays Wimbledon next year. She certainly, I think, walked off the court not thinking that was her last match. There was no goodbye. It was a kind of brief fist bump in the air, and then off she went. Maybe not wanting to steal Harmony Tan's moment. I, I don't know. It, it certainly didn't feel like goodbye. Um, maybe just... Au revoir. Uh, she followed Rafa Nadal on centre, who was pushed pretty hard by Francisco Cherandolo, who I was surprised by how well he played, um, given you know he's not someone you would necessarily look at and go, he's going to be able to play on grass. I think he's only played maybe six career matches on the surface before now. Um, Ryan Penniston beat him at Queen's in a pretty odd match. Um, Penniston beat him 6-love in the first set, and... Chirondola looked like he had no interest, like he had somewhere else to be. Well, he certainly didn't look like he had somewhere else to be against Rafa, um, particularly in the third set, and I would say in the first set, when he had opportunities but couldn't take them. Went down two sets to love, pulled back the fourth, and had a 4-2 lead in the in the fourth, I should say. He pulled back the third. But, unfortunately, uh, Rafa Nadal did what Rafa does best, and he roared back to win the next four games and seal the match. I mean, Rafa Live is pretty impressive at the best of times, in relatively dry, sunny conditions, although he did say the sun made his serve pretty tricky. Um, he's particularly good on grass in those conditions, and I, I thought he, I thought he was really impressive, and I enjoyed watching him. Which you know, during the first couple of days of Wimbledon, when it's extremely busy for journalists, it's quite difficult to enjoy watching tennis matches. And actually, on this occasion, I, I really did enjoy watching Rafa, and I didn't see any after effects of a sore foot, but. Rafa's very good at masking injury and making sure that if he is hurt, you don't know about it unless he chooses to tell you. So, um, yeah, who really knows on that front? All we can do is judge by the score. There were elements of rust there, as you'd expect. I mean, Cherandolo is not world number 100. He is world number 42, so he can clearly play a bit. Um, and, yeah, I think I think 
there are reasons to be cheerful for Rafa Nadal, probably for Francho and Dolo as well, but uh, particularly for the victor, Rafa Nadal. Um, and then the very first match on centre was Igor Svantec, who beat Jan Effect at a loss of three games. It, it wasn't as straightforward as that. I think 6-love, six 6-3 six flattered Svantec a little bit. A fairer scoreline might have been, I don't know, 6-4, 6-3, because there are, there are a lot of lengthy games. Fett did have opportunities. Shonto was pushed. She was 3-1 down in that second set and then 1-5 on the spin. So business as usual, really, for Shonto. 37 wins in the bro. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, significant results elsewhere. Uh, maybe the biggest shock of the day, although it was something that I predicted in my uh, preview column, was Maxime Cressy knocking out Felix Auger Aliasim in four sets. Uh, it was a really impressive performance from Maxime Cressy, at least certainly if you asked Felix Auger Aliasim. Uh, he said the quality of the serve was, imp- serve was impressive. I've played the likes of John Isner, Milos Reinich, Riley Apelka, but he's with these guys. He's definitely with these guys. If he keeps that going, I see this guy being, even on hard courts, really tough to play. Clay could be different, but I see him being like those guys, being able to be in top 20 and more. He has really high qualities, better than his ranking today. Yeah, we'll see how it goes for him. Um, What I think I said, and I've said before, is that it's very hard to find rhythm against Maxime Cressy, so he can cause upsets, and, and so it proved... There was also an incredibly unsavoury incident, or series of unsavoury incidents on number three court, where Nick Kyrgios beat Paul Jubb in five sets. It was a great effort from Jubb, first and foremost. Um, He played really well. I thought he picked the Kyrgios serve particularly well. There were times when Kyrgios would hit, you know, 132 on the spot, and Jubb would be there to make the return. I thought he did that really well, um, you know, in certain parts of the match. Kyrgios was chuntering, he was saying all the time I shouldn't be losing a single point to this chump, which is pretty unfair um, on any professional. He was having a go at one of the line judges, one of them in particular, who he told to get off the court, he thought she wasn't up to the the job. And then um, he started getting abuse from the crowd, he says, and after he finished he spat in their direction. Uh, overall, a pretty petulant set of behaviours, which he refused to apologise for afterwards. He didn't really see that he was complaining about the crowd being disrespectful to him, while also being incredibly disrespectful to Jubby, to the officials, the line judges. Um, um, Nick Kyrgios won me back over the pandemic with the way he behaved. I'm afraid today was not the behaviour of a man who deserves anyone's respect. So... Really disappointing, that. Um, good day for the Brits. Ryan Penniston won. Uh, Katie Bolter beat Clara Burrell. Uh, I'm sure we had one other one, but I can't find it in my notes anywhere. So uh, if you've got another, if you remember the other British uh, victor, then, I don't know, well done you, and you don't need me to tell you. Uh, Heather Watson, that was it. She completed a three-set win over Tamara Corpatch that hung over from yesterday. But... Oh, and Jack Draper beats Zuzuberg as well. There you go. I missed a whole load. But the big shock, really, for the Brits was losing Dan Evans. Lost to Jason Kubler, the qualifier, um, in straight sets. Never really got near him, to be honest. And, yeah, it was... I mean, he was pretty blunt about it. He just said, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big boy. Sometimes I'll lose. That'll happen. Like, 
There'll be plenty more chances, he said. Although you guys think this is the two weeks, there's three other slams and there's 30 tournaments in the year I'll play. These things happen. That's what happens. Um, he says, it's disappointing, it's frustrating, it hurts. It's not nice to have a fiancé, coach, all them lose as well. It's not just me, it's a team effort. That's how it is. You've got to pick yourself up again and go again. Um, he was asked whether with Peniston, Draper and Alistair Gray, actually, who I also didn't mention, beating Tseng, said, do you feel like you're missing out on the party? And he just <laughs> replied, no, no, I can have a party on my own. Um, I'm sure he's capable of it. Tonight, not, not, tonight might not be the night, but I'm sure he can. Let's look ahead to tomorrow, uh, which is when, or today, as most of you will think of it, and actually technically, as today it is, uh, Wednesday, the second, first Wednesday of Wimbledon, Centre court is Djokovic, Raducanu, Murray again. Um, Murray up against Isner, which might not be a particularly edifying clash. But the first two, I think, will be Raducanu against Garcia. Should be a pretty power-heavy match. I think Raducanu is possibly the underdog in that. Um, as is Tanasi Kokonakis. Much bigger, of course, earlier on in the day against Novak Djokovic. I hope that's an entertaining match. Tanasi's got plenty of shot-making ability and... I think he will relish trying to make Djokovic a bit uncomfortable on court. Uh, number one court, Jules Niemeyer is opening up against the net Contervite. I would watch that because Jules Niemeyer has a massive serve. She has probably the biggest serve in the women's game. Pretty close to 200, 200 kilometers an hour, 120-odd miles an hour for those who work in old money. I, I would definitely think about trying to get some eyes on that match since it starts at one and centre doesn't start till half past. Uh, Cam Norrie is up against Jamey Munar and Maria Sakari against Victoria Tomova. Um, I think the match to watch tomorrow, well, I mean, there's a few options. Sinner against Mikhail Ima will be a lot of fun. Mikhail Ima is a fun player anyway. Yannick Sinner, I'm told, is starting to look a little bit more comfortable on grass. So that would certainly be worth keeping an eye on. I would say similar about um, Tim van Richthoven and Riley Apelka. You know, van Richthoven has been on this amazing run. He's a really good player on grass. And Apelka's really lacked form coming in here. So might be an opportunity for a very decent uh, size. Well, I don't know if upset's the right word. Well, wildcard beating a seed. Of course it's an upset. Uh, and I think Tim van Richthoven's run is, is worth following as well. I think the match I'll be watching first up tomorrow is Kasper Ruud up against Ugo Umber. Um, Umber came through a pretty lengthy first round match. Uh, he won in five sets up against Thomas Echeverry, who's been in pretty poor form this year. So I wonder if Umber is struggling for form a bit as well. Well, I know for a fact that he is. He hasn't won consecutive matches since the Olympics last year in singles. So that tells you probably all you need to know. Kasper Ruud is maybe starting to find his own feet on grass. He lost to Zizou Bergs in an exhibition last week, but how much we can read into that, I don't know. He beat Albert Ramos-Vignolas in the first round, so he is into the second. And, and I don't know, once you get a few matches under your belt, things can change for you on the grass. Um, also worth watching, Angelique Kerber against Magda Linetti. Obviously, Linetti sprung a few surprises this year. Angelique Kerber is someone who knows the courts at Wimbledon extremely well and they're up on court too so anything can happen out there it's a little bit different someone like Linetti won't get quite so phased as she might on centre or number one I think it'd be really interesting just finally uh, I should talk about Covid because Marin Cilic and Matteo Berrettini both pulled out today having tested positive for Covid 
We're in a very weird situation right now where players are not required to test. They are asked if they're ill to stay away from the grounds. But I asked Liam Brody about this and I think he spoke pretty honestly and very well about it. He said it's like a class of unruly school children. If you're giving rules to adhere by, then you listen much more carefully. But if you're told you're not going to have to test anymore, no one's going to test themselves on purpose. Uh, he said, at the end of the day, if you've got a bit of a cold, and you're playing Wimbledon main draw for 50 grand and a chance of more, I'm not sure someone of the lower ranked guys are going to, you know, scouts on her, take themselves away and do a COVID test. That would be stupid in my eyes, business-wise, for someone to do that. I think that's kind of what's been going on a little bit. The context for this is also that Elise Cornet came out and told L'Equipe, the French newspaper, that uh, basically everyone at Roland Garros had COVID and they all kind of agreed not to talk about it. And there was a bit of an epidemic. Now, if you think about the financial side of things, obviously Chilich and Berrettini, they don't really need the Wimbledon prize money. I'm sure they'd love it. And they both had good chances to go deep and make very good money. But it's not going to stop them flying to the US for the hardcore swing. Whereas, you know, a bit further down the pyramid, you're a qualifier or something and you're feeling a bit crook. You're still going to turn up for work. You're still going to come to Wimbledon. You might try and avoid people in the locker room, but no, I, I'm afraid it, it's just not going to happen, is it? So um, I'd be interested to see if there are any more withdrawals and if we maybe hear of a similar situation a few weeks later when a player breaks ranks and says, everyone had COVID, it was a disgrace. Um, we'll have to see. It'll be fascinating. That's probably all I've got time for. Um, you'll hear from Henry Patton and Julian Cash next. I hope you enjoy uh, hearing from them. They're up first on court eight, I think, tomorrow, playing doubles uh, against the number 13 seeds. Best of luck to them, of course, and thank you very much to them uh, in retrospect for coming on and sharing their stories with me. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Welcome back to the Love Tennis Podcast, where I'm delighted to be joined by, and it may take a while for me to get through all the titles, the 2022 Surbiton Trophy Champions, the Eelkley Champions, the Nottingham Champions, the Shrewsbury Champions, I've probably missed some off, but Henry Patton and Julian Cash are here, clearly the most informed doubles pairing, or one of them, around. Uh, Henry, of course, has our very own Calvin in his corner, and I'm looking forward to learning exactly what it is Calvin does all day that isn't drinking Coke and eating minstrels. Um, but first, I should say to both of you, uh, congrats on what's obviously been a great season and, and on a Wimbledon wild card, which kicks off tomorrow. Um, maybe a good place to start, Julian, if you tell us a little bit about how the two of you got together as a pairing. Was it sort of um, 40 love at first sight, if you'll forgive the pun? Um, well, we, we were both in college and, and have kind of wanted to play together for a while. Um, but with uh, single schedules and, and just kind of being all over the world, we've, we've not managed to do that yet. Um, but there was a, a good swing of tor- tournaments in the UK um, that like those four 25Ks in Nottingham and, and we had just kind of had a chat, agreed to play those four together and, and then have a, a crack at the grass. But it's gone uh, a little bit better than we might have hoped. I was going to say, Henry, I mean, you, you presumably, I mean, I know Wimbledon's always on everyone's radar, but when you first got together, I guess, back in earlier this year, was it in the back of your head that you two could end up at Wimbledon? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> uh, um, you know, when we when we turned up to those Nottingham 25Ks, uh, Wimbledon felt felt like it was a very, very long way away. Um, yeah, no, de- definitely not. Couldn't have imagined um, the success that, that we've had together. Um, so, yeah, very, very pleased to, to be at the championships. And was it, um, in terms of a connection, you know, I always think it's weird the way doubles partners, because, you know, Calvin talks a lot about how sometimes it's pretty much like car keys in the bowl at sign in and see who you can get in with. Um, yeah. How quickly did you kind of get that connection on the court together? Obviously, you knew each other off the court. Yeah, I mean, we've we've known each other for a long time. Um, we're we're good mates off the court. Um, we've been planning to play together. We've been talking about playing together for, for for ages. And then, yeah, obviously, finally, the schedules kind of aligned and allowed us to do it. Um, but but yeah, we I mean, the the key thing for us is that we we are really good friends. Um, we get along really well. And obviously on court that that helps us a lot, um, helps us to stay relaxed and, and enjoy playing together, which which I think really has been been a pretty big key to our success. Yeah, I remember talking to Louis Kaya, who I know you both work with a lot. Um, and he was telling me about Joe and Rajiv Ram, you know, the, the world number one doubles pairing. And, and he talked about how he had to force Rajiv to kind of be the hype man, you know, be the guy to, to make noise in the pair. Julian, who, who's the sort of excitable one of the two of you who has to pick the pair up when things are going badly well we may have had the same conversation about five <laughs> days ago with louis um, <laughs> I, see. I, I got i got a little bit told off uh, for not, not doing it enough but yeah it's it's supposed to be me right um we're both pretty pretty mellow guys pretty relaxed uh which along with being friends i think is also why we gel on the court we're kind of in a like we play tennis i guess in a, in a similar frame of mind mm. um but yeah, I guess it's, it's going to be for me to try and uh, maybe get back to my college days a little bit and, and start shouting a bit more. <laughs> you mentioned college. I'm right in saying you went to Oklahoma State, which I think makes you a Sooner. I, I might have got that nickname wrong. No, those are our rivals. Don't oh, I do see. that to me. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're cowboys. Right, okay, very good. Um, what, what drew you to... I mean, there's lots of guys we know. I mean, Cam Norrie being the most high profile, but... What was the kind of decision process between going over to America and, and just tell me a bit about your experience there? Uh, for me, a whole bunch of, of reasons, to be honest. Like the big thing for me was education. I, I wanted to make sure I had something to fall back on. Uh, I don't think I was mature enough to 
to go full time on tour uh, at 17. I've got a late ish birthday, so I was pretty young. Uh, great matches, great training, a, a good chance to experience a lot of things uh, before kind of getting out there. So that that was my my main kind of three reasons, I suppose. Um, but yeah, for me, it was fantastic. I, I loved every minute of it coming from an individual sport, being thrown into a team. Um, I, I really thrived in, in that environment. Um, still really good friends with, with a lot of my teammates now. Actually, one of them is here with me. He's been supposed to came come for five days and he stayed for a month. So um, yeah, it's, it's it was a great experience. It taught me an awful lot on the court, off the court. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad I made the decision to go. Uh, Henry, I know you went obviously went to states in the USSR. I think UNC. I'm right in saying which. Uh, do I not think UNC has a big reputation as a party college? Is that is that not what it's supposed to no, be? No. So I went. I didn't go to UNC, which is the big school in North Carolina. I went to UNC Asheville, which is part of the UNC system. Right. Um, but yeah, Asheville not not quite as much of a reputation as a party <laughs> school. I'd say we made a pretty good pretty good effort at, at <laughs> changing that, but. Um, but yeah, as kind of similar to Julian, I wasn't quite as good of a Julian uh, junior as Julian was. He was one of the top top juniors, um, and I wasn't. Uh, so for me to to continue playing tennis in a competitive environment, it was kind of a no brainer for me. Mm. Uh, you mentioned, and I'm sure Jules would never um, give himself this much credit, that that you were a good junior, Julian. I, I read the other day that you beat Matteo Berrettini at Wimbledon Juniors. Ah. Uh... You know, I didn't think he was that good on grass at the time, but it turns out he's actually not bad. Um, no, to be honest, I, I was in a kind of weird headspace when I was a junior. Like, I, I, as I mentioned before, like, studies were really big for me. That was kind of uh, a big focus, like, kind of driven a little bit by my family, I suppose. Um, and so I didn't actually play as many events as I would have liked or as most of the people, I guess, around my ranking were playing. So... Yeah, like, I I mean, when I went into Roehampton, which is the kind of build-up tournament to Wimbledon for the juniors uh, and then into Wimby, I hadn't played a tournament for a couple of months. Wow. So I just kind of went in swinging and, you know, enjoying the grass. Like, it's it's not not something that we we play on a lot, although people think that the Brits spend their life on it. Um, that was kind of my first experience on stuff, and, and I really enjoyed it and just had a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, so, no, I, I didn't necessarily think he was going to be who he is today, but... Um, yeah, I, I knew it was a good win, for sure. <laughs> um, tell me a bit about Wimbledon itself. You're, you're obviously here playing doubles for the first time. Um, Henry, what's been kind of the, the weirdest or most memorable thing about just, just being around the grounds and, and hitting at Orangian on championship courts and stuff? Um, I think it's just, just brushing shoulders with, with a lot of the, the players that we've kind of idolised and obviously over the past few years have I've only really been able to watch them on on TV or or stream. Um, that's probably the strangest thing. Um, definitely, kind of getting your laundry done for you is is something that I could I can get used to. Anyone in particular stick out in terms of guys you're brushing shoulders with? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, particular, I, we were warming up in the gym yesterday, and Novak was kind of milling around casually as you do. Um, obviously, quite a lot of the doubles guys that like we played. Played a practice set with Jamie yesterday, which was pretty cool. Jamie and Bruno. Um, so yeah, it's, it's you know it's constant. They're all, they're all around. There are lots of them. Uh, it's just it's nice to be in kind of close proximity with them and and feel like we're yeah obviously part of the same event with them and and yeah it's it's pretty cool. 
Um, the big question that really, the one I've been building up to is, Calvin is your coach. What's he actually like as a coach? He, uh, when I watched you on court the other day, it seems like he doesn't say a lot. Is that is that kind of typical? It's not the Calvin I know. No, he, yeah, he's usually um, there just to pick up the balls, really. Um, <laughs> brings me water, towels, you know. Um, <laughs> no, um, um, Cal's great. Um, we, we haven't been working together for that long, so we started working together at the start of the... The Nottingham 25Ks that we won. So, I mean, in terms of his coaching record with me, it's, it's been pretty, pretty exceptional. Yeah. Um, obviously, I try and give him as little credit as possible for that, but but the stats don't lie. Um, no, Cam is great. He uh, he really studies the game, um, and he 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 really knows his stuff, especially for doubles for us. Um, he's done quite a bit of work with with Louis Kaye, who's obviously kind of the doubles guru um as we call him uh so he knows the systems inside out and that's just so helpful to have him around um on court as a guy personality wise he's pretty fiery can, can get you know gets can get pretty pissed off but but he knows that i'm a i'm quite a relaxed guy um so i, I think he's he's probably working hard to kind of tame tame his own tone down a little bit um which is probably difficult um yeah he he has about seven cokes a day um minstrels i don't know but maltesers loves his maltesers i'd say that's probably his his favorite favorite pre-game snack um went and got his haircut yesterday which um which i didn't think i'd ever see um, <laughs> but hey it's uh that's obviously something he has to take care of um no cal's great we we, we get <laughs> cal's great in all seriousness and um, we get along well his banter is is good um and yeah, I mean, kind of similar to to what me and Julian were saying about our partnership. Like, even even coach player relationships, it's, it's so important to get well, get along well off court. It's quite enough giving Calvin too much, uh, too many compliments, as you say. It's uh, it's important to keep his yeah. his incredibly shiny head as small as possible. Podcast Network.